Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Thanks. This is uh, Bill Bullington here on, and you know, I was just noticing that uh, if you'd like to w- listen to this um, show and you want to go online, it's actually available at whkradio.com. So feel free to uh, go there and you can click on the Bullington Capital Report um, icon and it'll take you right to the show. I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, anyway, today got a pretty good show for you, I think, I hope. A lot of things have been changing. As uh, wow, it just seems like the, the the pace of change is just increasing like all the time. And along those lines, a lot of people don't really understand or know uh, whether or not they should be making changes uh, to their portfolios or when they should be making changes. And the reality is, I you know, when I'm looking at this, you have to really sit back and take a look at what you're going to be doing over the next few years. Uh, has anything changed a lot? Has anything really changed this week? In fact, my newsletter that goes out, one of the articles is titled, A Question About Your Money, Has Anything Truly Changed This Week? And uh, I was just going to read from the article and make some comments, kind of do some uh, explanation of it, because I really, I really liked it. Actually, there were three really good articles from my newsletter this week. And I edit the newsletter, by the way. There's a little uh, blurb before you get to see the article, and then I get to select the articles that I'm going to send. So this was the first one that I I, uh, sent. Anyway, a question about your money. Has anything truly changed this week? Banks failed. Rich men became publicly agitated, demanding protection. Regulators stepped in to try to stop the panic. Markets wobbled anyway. And now we everyday actors in the economy are supposed to do what exactly? It's not a rhetorical question. Too many people default toward immediate action in the face of what seems like a threat. Change banks, buy gold, sell everything, or something at least. If you've embraced inaction in this turbulent moment, however, you may have it right. Ask yourself these questions. What has actually changed about the world in the past week? And how have your own financial goals changed? The answer to that second question is probably not at all. The answer to the first is this. Only a few things have changed, at least so far. But none of them are cause for most people to rethink their goals or pursue any drastic action in pursuit of them in the coming days. The money got scared. The the money, I'm sorry, the money set got scared. Some of the depositors who encouraged others to yank their money out of Silicon Valley Bank were sophisticated venture capitalists. Signature Bank also had a lot of corporate clients, especially in industries like real estate where they experienced building owners are intimately familiar with economic cycles. That didn't keep depositors from running for the hills. As much love and desire we have for SVB, fear came first as David Selinger, the chief executive of the security firm Deep Sentinel and a longtime Silicon Valley Bank customer, told uh, his colleague Maureen Farrell. 
another writer that uh, this writer knows, and they work together. Anyway, the rescuers came for depositors. If the venture capitalists and entrepreneurs who face risk for a living could frighten so easily, why shouldn't the rest of us be scared out of our mind? Regulators anticipated this question last weekend and decided to make depositors of the two failed banks whole, not just within the $250,000 limit that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation normally covers, but for every last dollar. Now, that is really significant. First time I can remember in my adult life that that is happening. Normally, the $250,000 limit was adhered to, uh, and it was, you know, very heavy-handed, and I'm pretty sure that after watching what Russia and China have done with their economies uh, by coming to the aid of failing businesses, and the result of that was extraordinary growth, uh, that does come at a cost, and the cost is inflation, and if it gets out of control, inflation can get really, really high, but anyway, they've been pulling it off for decades spectacularly, and now it looks like we're actually borrowing an idea from them. Anyway, (laughs) the article goes on to say that there's no guarantee that they would do so again. On Thursday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told the Senate Finance Committee that in the future, there would be no coverage for uninsured deposits unless leaving those customers short would create unacceptable risks for the banking system. She specifically mentioned the possibility of any serious risk of contagion. Even if you don't keep much money in your bank account, your your exposure here may not be zero. Perhaps your employer has for years left way more than 250000 in payroll money sitting around in a single bank account without thinking much about it. By the way, if something like that is, if you're a business owner and you're doing something like that, you've got more than $250,000 in a bank in payroll, there are networks. I know I use one of my custodians is Fidelity. And they have a network where they will link up multiple banks so that you can get more than $250,000 in coverage. I'm pretty sure at Fidelity, you could get up to $2.5 million because they're linking up through banking systems and taking advantage of the $250,000 per bank. So if you'd like more information on that, you know, feel free to call me. And uh, I haven't seen so far, I haven't seen anybody really talking a lot about that. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a really big deal. You can also, incidentally, uh, invest through a brokerage firm into treasuries. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in today's show. But anyway, hopefully employers have gotten wise to that risk right now. Um, Actually, this is how the article continues. It's worth asking them. It's also possible that regulations or at least analysis by interested outsiders and rating agencies will get tighter and cause many banks to be more careful. You would hope. (laughs) Next headline. Not much new, but it's new to you. If you have a a, uh, two in the front of your age, you may not have many memories of 2008 when the banking system was brought to its knees. That financial crisis and countless calamities before that one is a good reminder that our systems are resilient. Bankers and business people make terrible decisions all the time. Markets shudder. A bank with Silicon Valley in its name has never gone belly up before. But there's absolutely nothing abnormal about rolling waves of economic uncertainty that go on for weeks or longer. You just realize at some point, all of this seems to be teetering on the edge at all times, said Tori Dunlap, 28, the author of Financial Feminist. Um, I'm not so sure about the teetering on the edge at all times, but it There are a lot of times, that's for sure. Anyway, the next headline reads, your goals probably haven't changed. And the article goes on to say that, so the world around you makes no promises, but no matter your age, income, or assets, you probably do have a list of financial goals. Has anything happened that in the past week caused you to change those goals? Amid the natural concern over how to make sense of the rapidly unfolding events, you may not have to stop to quiz yourself. The chances are the answer is no. And if the answer is no, it's fine to be a bystander for now. By the way, I always like to say uh, keeping money in cash is a position. Cash is a position in your account. So if you've had a certain amount of cash 
in there because you know you're going to have to be using that money for the over the next 24 to 48 months. That's a uh, that's a good idea. Why would you change that now? Probably not that necessary. Anyway, yeah, that's kind of what they're talking about. And why would you sell things, by the way, that you don't have to dip into for five years or, or longer? That, that doesn't make any sense either. So the, the idea is that you have an idea of what your money is doing, why it's in the place that it is, uh, and it doesn't have to be super complicated either. We're going to come back to that a little bit later in today's show. Um, anyway, the next headline goes, you probably don't need to run anywhere. For individuals, the best bank stress test is a personal one. You have more than 250000 at a single institution. But the vast majority of people do not. That's true. Like I said, there are programs, so you should ask whoever your advisors are. If you have an account with me, ask me about it. There are programs that banks have. They've put together networks so that when you're uh, investments get over $250,000 that aren't covered by S- uh, SIPC or the FDIC, they'll actually put the money in this network and put $250,000 at another bank and multiple banks. I, I'm pretty sure Fidelity's goes up to $2.5 million. Uh, I think the other firms are kind of similar to that. So you can get more than that type of coverage. Again, if you want to know more about that, just give me a, just shoot me an email. Bill at BullingtonCapital.com, by the way. Okay. There are broad protections there, too. Oh, yeah, they were talking about, uh, this was in parentheses. You might have more than that at a brokerage firm that stores your retirement savings. There are broad protections there, too, and you can read about them in the article that this person wrote in the last week called, Is My Money Safe? So you'll actually have to Google that one. Anyway, when banks shut down, there's often panic, and the kinds of lines you saw in photos of Silicon Valley bank branches last week. So what generally happens for depositors whose balances in a bank are in a failed bank are under FDIC cap is this. Some other enemy steps in and deposits and ATM withdrawals continue more or less as normal. So worried, set a backup checking account at another financial institution. Make sure the debit card stays active. Park a bit of money there if you have some to spare. Link it to any outside savings or brokerage accounts you have so you can deposit money quickly if need be and watch for monthly inactivity or low balance fee. Yeah. Anyway, you shouldn't sprint from stocks either. This is the next um, paragraph, or a few paragraphs. As unsettling as the financial world may seem right now, the overall U.S. stock market rose this week. Sure, financial stocks bounced up and down. But if you have most of your stocks in plain vanilla index funds that own thousands of different company shares, and you should, and I agree with that one totally, uh, your net worth may be higher than it was a week ago. Even so, it's no natural. To, uh, it is natural. <laughs> I can't read that. I've got this glare on my screen that, that's just killing me. Uh, anyway, even so, it's natural to wonder at the prospect of more bank failures in the sell everything sign uh, in the sell everything sign that you've been waiting for. You know what? That, that is crazy. Uh, a lot of this stuff is written by computers, incidentally. Um, wouldn't you feel better if all your money was in cash and not in gyrating stocks? Maybe, but for a bit. But consider these numbers that uh, Nejat Sihun, a professor at Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan, generated this week. Imagine that you held a giant basket of, of just about every U.S. stock and left it alone from 1975 to 2022. By the way, did you know in 1975 the number of publicly traded stocks available on the New York Stock Exchange uh, the Amex and the Nasdaq were well over 10,000. So now, to be big enough to be listed on an exchange and to be held by a mutual fund, it's got to be a much a much larger size. There are only about 34, 3,500 stocks, which is kind of wild. So if you're investing in the Russell 3000 or you have the Russell large cap and, and the Russell mid and small cap, actually their mid cap is the uh, 2,500 stocks that aren't the S&P 500. Um, so there are lots of ways to get that done today. That's my point. You can diversify incredibly well, incredibly inexpensively, and uh, a lot safer. Anyway, the return on that portfolio, oh, wow, from 1975 to 2022 would have been 1,426%. Oh, pretty good. Now, imagine that you sold everything here and there when things left felt iffy. If you missed just 
the 10 best days, and I know a lot of people have seen this, 10 best days of performance out of those 12,106 trading days, your return would fall to 602%. So instead of having 1,426%, you'd have gotten 602% by missing the 10 best days. Now, every time I bring this up, people email me and say, yeah, but look what happens if you capture the 10 um, best days. Or, or, I'm sorry, look, look what happens if you avoid the 10 worst days and your return goes up a whole lot bigger. But see, the problem is with both of these things, you have to have a very accurate projection of what's going to happen in the stock market. <laughs> and that is, nobody does that. Warren Buffett doesn't do that. Peter Lynch never did it. None of the portfolio managers today, BlackRock's the world's largest asset manager, they're bigger than Vanguard now, and they don't do it. Uh, they don't even try. What they do try to do is put together logical, diversified. You can specialize. Like I like to overweight healthcare and semiconductor stocks. Why? Because their sales are growing faster than any of the other industry. And in the long run, sales growth is directly correlated to profit growth, which is directly correlated to share price appreciation. Okay. Not always. That's why we buy funds. And uh, I don't put all the money in that model because when you uh, specialize in just a couple of industries, if those industries don't do very well for the next few years, you're going to regret doing that. <laughs> so we use it sparingly, but enough to give us a boost. And if you want to know more about that, just send me an email. Say, hey, Bill, I'd like to see your semiconductor healthcare model. And I'll send you out a, a Morningstar hypothetical illustration on that. And I guess I have, I have about a few seconds before I have to take a real quick commercial break. If you guys uh, will hang around, this is Bill Boynton right here on 1420. I'll be back with some other information I think you might find useful this week. And uh, pretty soon the music should start playing. And I'll, take a I'll be right back. I can only imagine what it will be like. This is Hugh Hewitt for Town Hall Review. If you're like me, you want more than just facts. You want insight from people you trust. People like Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, and of course me, your host each week on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, a weekly roundup of the news. Tune in each week and visit our website at townhallreview.com, where we give you what you need in today's fast-changing world. That's townhallreview.com. Saturday and Sunday at 5 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. Charlie Kirk doesn't see justice. The Capitol Police saying we are fearing for our lives? Maybe that might have been true at a separate situation. But you weren't fearing for your lives right there from Jacob Chancellor. You guys were buddies. How do you sleep at night? You guys can walk free, and the guy that you were showing around as a tour guide is now in jail. Sick. And the government, they don't care. It's all just pawns in a big political grab. The Charlie Kirk Show. Weekdays at noon. Right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. From an idea that started in 1967, Our Lady of the Wayside has grown to serve almost 900 children and adults with developmental disabilities throughout Northeast Ohio. It's an operation that is still growing thanks to tremendous support and generous donations like the Wayside's Car Donation Program. You can donate your ride to the Wayside for a great tax write-off by calling 1-800-368-6262. The Wayside is also looking for people to join their team. They hire for attitude and train for skills. Visit thewayside.org to apply. Today. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean, and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? 
our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. Is it finally time to update your bathroom? Bath Planet, a division of Joyce Factory Direct, specializes in replacing and converting old showers and tubs into new beautiful bathrooms in as little as one day. We have transformed thousands of bathrooms just like yours into a spa-like oasis that has homeowners excited to use their new bathtub or shower. Right now, all bath installations are 50% off. So call to schedule a free consultation with on-the-spot pricing. 440-243-5700 or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. Well, welcome back. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, you can reach me if you hear something on this show that you would like more information on. I'd be glad. To, I can forward the articles to you. By the way, these articles are taken uh, out of my newsletter that I send out every other week. And uh, I think it's it's kind of fun. Uh, I do not write most of the articles. I edit the articles that or the uh, uh, newsletter or just the, the text portion it explains what you'll be looking at, and then I let you go ahead and uh, pick out what you want to read. So, you know, having said that, that's great. If you'd like to call in today, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945, and I'm going to go to the phones right now. I've got Vince. Vince, you're on the Bullington Capital Report. Yes, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Hey, Bill, you were, earlier you were talking about you know, the safety of your cash investments. And I was wondering how safe are money market funds at these various institutions like Fidelity and, and Vanguard and T. Rowe Price? Yeah, they're actually extremely safe um, because the vast majority of them invest in government cash or reserves. Here, I'll, I'll just... Uh, I've got one up, and these are government, uh, let's see, this is the the one that I like to use through Fidelity. There's a couple of them I like to use for Fidelity. I just picked this one up just for an example. Um, so they call it the Fidelity Government Cash Reserve, and it's got treasury bills. Uh, it has coupons. That's a uh, zero-coupon bond that you can buy, and uh, you get a you buy it at a price, and then it, it matures at a price that's higher than that instead of paying interest. And they've got several of those. Those are these are all extremely short term, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some fixed rate securities that they buy from like Ginnie Mae. Uh, there's some floating rate securities that they buy. Same types of institutions they buy directly from the uh, government. They repurchase agreements, and that's actually most of it. Those are guaranteed. Uh, all these are guaranteed by U.S. government. And let's see the the current yield on this one. I think is in the mid fours, um, 4.6. Okay. Wow. So, which is, I take it back. It's 4.2, which is good. I mean, compared to what it has been past, you know, few years I've seen, I saw this get down to like 0. 0.7 and, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's rough. You know? So now that inflation's been creeping up and they've been raising interest rates and they're talking about con- continuing to raise interest rates at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the, the cycle. Uh, when things are going poorly, when the economy is slowing down, you know, pandemic slowed everything down quite a bit and there's a major war being fought in Europe, uh, a lot of difficulties. So interest rates got down extremely low. And as some of this started to lift, you know, prices started rising really high, and mostly because of lack of supply. That's my contention, which I think was is kind of artificial. If the demand is pushing inflation, that's just people willing to pay more for you know, kind of a frenzy. Um, so I'm not sure. First time in my adult life that the Fed started doing this intelligently. <laughs> But I'm going to defer to them because, you know, this is what they do. They've been doing it for an incredibly long time period, and it's okay. I just have to know where I'm going to keep my money. And the mm-hmm. uh, so I've been holding some uh, uh, cash, you know, not a ton, uh, because I, I stick to my normal allocation between stocks and bonds and cash. 
And I've always had, like, the total's about 10% uh, of my net worth just in cash. And so I was very glad to see that the rates are kind of rising on the uh, money markets, although you know that has a tendency to negatively affect stock prices in the short run. Man, when you look at the demand, I mean, this, this is what's crazy. So I, I pay a lot of money for this service that, that gives me economic statistics. I just can't believe how strong the worldwide demand has been despite everything that's been going on. And that gives me a, a lot of comfort, um, especially when you see markets you know, fluctuating all over the place. And uh, I also like to go back and review uh, what has happened, you know, like over the past 10 years, what, how about over the past 20 years? The, uh, I've got software that lets me do that. And I can see the, uh, you know, the big drop that came from 07 uh, to the bottom, it bottomed out in 09, March of 09. But even if you had started at a really bad time, your returns are still significant. They're, they're significantly higher than anything that you would make in a bank. So, I'm, uh, and that goes for the small cap, large cap, mid cap, uh, entire thing. And I used Russell 1000, the S&P 500 for the large cap. And uh, the reason I like to use those, and I didn't include foreign stocks in there, is because 50% of the revenue from the companies that are in the Russell 1000 and the S&P 500 are generated overseas. The biggest difference is you don't have the currency risk when you've got when you're invested overseas and the exchange rate changes, which is you're thinking people think predicting the stock market is hard. <laughs> Try predicting currency exchange rate. You know, good luck. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, anyway, you can avoid that risk to a large extent. And does that mean I would never invest over it? Not really. But uh, I just haven't for a long time. But I know that, you know, half the money that Microsoft is going to generate and Intel is going to generate is going to come from overseas. Uh, Dell, at one point in time, was more than 60% of the revenue uh, overseas. So you're getting, with the really big companies in the United States, you get a lot of foreign exposure, but it's not affected as much by exchange rate. Now, and here's what I mean by that. If they've made a ton of money and they sold a lot of stuff in Europe over the past 12 months, uh, maybe it was an unusually good uh, year or quarter, so they've got excess cash, but then the uh, exchange rates drop uh, so that it would be not uh, an opportune time to bring the money back to America. They can leave it there. They can just leave it in the banks there, Deutschmark, you know, USB, or I'm sorry, UBS, the uh, uh, any of the other major banks, a lot of American companies have banks over there too, so they can park the money there and wait, and that gives you a, a mm-hmm. lot more leverage. So it's a little safer than uh, investing directly mm-hmm. in stocks that that reside there. I guess I should say, mm-hmm. but uh, so, and it when you, when, might not be a lot. In... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you, you, I was going to say you're... when you invest in a foreign company through an ADR, are you uh, subject to Foreign exchange rates fluctuations. Um, it it really depends on the company. In uh, uh, most of the time, the exchange rates are factored into uh, the share prices uh, on the stocks. But you know, there, I've seen a lot of different instances, and quite frankly, it's been a long time since I've uh, even looked at that area because most of the foreign exposure. I have, again, it comes through the multinational companies and brands that are traded on U.S. stock exchanges, and so I really don't have to worry too much about that. That's all been taken mm-hmm. care of. Okay. okay. Very good. And one last question, Bill. Uh, on these money market funds, they try to maintain a net asset value of $1. Is that pretty much entered across all of these types of funds? Yep, that's the goal. And um, They've been very good at doing that. They do that because the stuff that they have is super liquid. I mean, they can you know turn around and you know, it's, a, it's a debt by the United States government, and uh, uh, it's just easy to exchange it's because we have such a big financial network, not only here but around the world. 
And uh, I, I kind of laugh a lot when I hear people say, you know, there's only going to be one world currency at some point in time. And I'm like, uh, you, you might have heard of it. It's actually already happened. It's called the dollar. <laughs> so many things are converted into dollars because of the uh, the faith of the United States government. And that may not always be that way. And I don't think it's the threat that a lot of people fear that it is. In fact, I think it might be helpful if there were other currencies that were as strong. Uh, it would give us more capacity to handle more risk more easily. So uh, there's a there's a good side to that, and uh, that's a lot of pressure on the United States to be the you know the leading world currency. And, uh, but we've done a pretty good job with it so far. I just I think it would be better if maybe some of the like like the euro gained more strength, or they even came up with other currencies that I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, appreciate the, your information and a uh, great show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for calling in too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend. Everybody should have a good weekend. I was, uh, looking at these things. Um, uh, Oh, you know what? I need to, uh, finish that article because the last three paragraphs, were headlined uh, with the just three words, living with complexity and the complexity of all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's made the underlying, uh, I guess, theories or the, or the underlying fundamentals or qualities are actually pretty simple in most uh, securities that you can invest in. And you could consider a CD a security now. It's a CD, but it's got the same types of, of characteristics as a normal bonds do. So, uh, because they actually trade now on secondary markets. Secondary means uh, you're not buying it directly from the bank. You're buying it from a brokerage firm who bought it from the bank or another bank that bought it from the original issuer. So, but but anyway, everything is. <laughs> It can be really complicated, and I feel so bad for the average person out there because it's just, you know, they've created languages, entire languages for everything. And, yeah, a lot of it's pretty complicated when you start looking at the words that they're using, but then when you see what the underlying meanings are, you're like, oh, well, why didn't they just say that? I go through that all the time. Anyway, living with complexity. If all the above feels like a mild scolding from the already comfortable, I get it. Personal finance is way too complicated, and it's not your fault. And I've got to keep reading this guy. Uh, (laughs) Once you do figure it out, one unsatisfying conclusion goes something like this. For most people, achieving a reasonable level of level, I can't even speak this morning, achieving a reasonable level of comfort requires ongoing risk. Amen, brother. (laughs) Anyways, so what may be most helpful in times like these, and all of the time really, is discussing the low buzz of uncertainty out loud with someone you can trust to make you feel a little bit better. And that's one of my goals with this program and that the person that I try to be for my clients, when the world starts going crazy, pick up the phone and call. If you're stressing out, don't stress out. Don't do it alone. Let's pick up the phone and call. It's not a big deal. But um, that's what we're supposed to do. Anyway, the last paragraph says, that headline about the Dow Jones dropping is not there to soothe you. Find people who are there to give you facts in a non-judgmental way without the fear-mongering that makes everything worse. See, that's, that's another thing. We are on the same. This guy's name is Dunlap. Yeah, by the way, if you want to see this article, like I said, just go to my website, click on uh, uh, the contact us. Could you send that article or, or the newsletter that you sent out last week? There are actually three other articles with it. But this guy is just right on, so spot on. And uh, I felt like I was the only one for such a long time. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not the only one. There are people like us out there. There just aren't that many. And they typically don't get a lot of press. I mean, it's, you know, worrying over your investments, you shouldn't really be doing that. If you're doing that, then you're taking too much risk. You, know, you don't need to be taking, well, you might need to be taking a lot of risk. It depends on how good of a saver you are. And that that's a, uh, a subject for next week's radio show. But 
but the uh, but that's a horrible way to have to live. You, you want to be comfortable and be able to assume a comfortable amount of risk to help you reach your goals. And uh, anyway, that's all I have to say about that. And I do have another. Oops, I got a call coming through, and I'm sorry that I keep forgetting to check that. This is Jason, and Jason, you're on the Bullington Capital Report. Hey, Bill, I had a question for you. Um, you mm-hmm. mentioned that that the you know the U.S. is the reserve currency, and and I wanted to know how do you think that the fact that um, oil had to be bought in dollars, the petrodollar, for for so many years has impacted us being the world's reserve currency. Uh, my understanding is now there is a little bit of loosening of that. I think Saudi Arabia is allowing China and, and maybe some other countries to, to buy oil um, not in dollars. Uh, that forced countries to hold dollars. Uh, what do you think that the risk for us losing um, the world reserve currency is if we, as we move away from oil um, to these you know, alternative energy and and also a basket of currency, which I've been hearing about, is getting closer and closer to happening. Uh, with you know different right. different countries' currency and then some commodities mixed into that basket. Uh, what do you think that'll do to to the uh, ability for us to to continue to borrow at the rate we're borrowing at? Um, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yep. Well, actually, uh, I would tell you this: that uh, Jason, your guess is as good as mine, and our guesses are probably as good as anybody that's involved with this. <laughs> Especially, uh, it sounds like you've really given it a lot of thought. And uh, uh, but trying to predict currencies and what exchange rates are going to be is incredibly difficult to do. And I think there's been way too much pressure on the dollar uh, over the uh, years. It's a, it's a lot of responsibility and a lot of the actions I think our government, our our Fed took. We're reflecting the fact that we're, you know, reserve world currency, so to speak. And that that puts a lot of pressure on. Hey, I got to take a real quick commercial break. Did you want to hang on? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. We'll be right back after these messages. The straight talking, hard working, do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Wallaka doodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog-busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog-busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call why it works and consider it done. License number 30185. No doubt about it, we're spending more time at home, which is the perfect time to make it more functional and beautiful. Hi, Ed Flash Ferrance here for Artistic Renovations, Northeast Ohio's premier and award-winning remodeler. Artistic did a fantastic job with our kitchen in 2016, and last year, they were back for the master bath. Oh, my word. Do yourself a favor and go to ArtisticReno.com. Believe me, you'll love their ideas and without question, the finished product. For a virtual consultation, call 2 or visit artisticreno.com. Thinking about updating your home? Well, Joyce Factory Direct specializes in replacing old, outdated windows. Proudly made right here in Cleveland, Joyce Windows features their exclusive Smart Shield High Performance Glass, which means you'll be getting the most energy efficient windows for your home directly from the factory. Customers just love how much warmer their house is and how easy their new windows operate and clean. Right now, you can save 50% on all installations. Just call to schedule a free consultation with on the spot pricing 440 243 5700 or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. You've heard the saying, all good things come to an end. Well, not always. Sometimes they just take a break. That's what's happening with Our Lady of the Wayside's car donation program after 24 years and 96,000 rides donated. Pretty amazing. Here's the story. 
The car lot's owner sold the property, making it impossible for car donations to be accepted at this time. According to the Wayside CEO, Terry Davis, the next right steps will be determined and communicated soon, so stay tuned. In the meantime, Terry and the entire team at the Wayside thank you for your continued support of the 450 individuals with developmental disabilities in the Wayside's care. And please take note, you can still support them by making a donation at thewayside.org. Well, welcome back. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon right here on 1420. I've uh, got a uh, caller on the phone. Jason, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, Bill. Okay, great. So yeah, I had another I just, question I was thinking, for you. Is there silver? Oh, sure. I, um, I didn't interrupt you. I just wanted to know, um, I heard that the central bank, um, the digital currency they're working on is going to be piloting or getting ready in, in maybe in July this year. How quick do you think that they're going to have that up and running so they can eliminate cash and go to that digital, uh, dollar? Yeah, well, I don't know because the uh, you may have looked at, you can Google this, by the way. The Fed's been using digital currencies which uh, since 1967 and to transfer money, So, which is what I thought was so funny about all this the buzz around digital currency. I'm like, that technology is old. Yeah, that is not new. It's just new to people because that are non-government people because they needed a lot of money, a lot of talent, and uh, a lot of computer uh, power. It's very expensive to be able to pull that off. And But but the actual idea has been in use for a lot. That's where they got the idea was like watching the U.S. Fed. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what's your best? What's your best guess as far as when when they'll pretty much eliminate cash and, and have everyone go to that? What do you think? Two years, three years? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, South Korea has been doing it for a long time. Um, I remember watching a show, and I'm trying to remember what was the guy. The guy was a uh, little chunky, he was bald, and he used to go around the world. Andrew something. He he was a chef, and he would eat these really exotic foods. Anyway, I'm, I'm watching this show, and he goes up to this guy. It looks like they're tater tots, but they're made out of rice. And, it, and it's in South Korea, and it was something like 3,500 South Korean won. I'm like, 3,500. I'm like, what? How could that pot? So I run up. I get on my computer. I get on the Internet. I do the exchange rate. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, $3.50 at the time. Wow. <laughs> so uh, they didn't carry around cash they haven't been carrying around cash for years you can't you know what's funny you you know funny south korea uh the one guy i i know he married a woman in south korea and he used to teach english over there lived there for years the interesting thing is when you take a bus ride home at 10 o'clock at night it was filled with high school kids because they go to school exorbitant amount of time all year round and he said the difference between here and the in the u.s is here we put we put athletes on on posters and billboards for for what they accomplished. South Korea, they showed a kid on a, on a on a billboard, and and you know what he was up there for? Probably math. I don't know. Smartest smartest kid in the school. Oh, okay. So it <laughs> That's just, cool. just kind of shows you where the priorities are in some of these countries compared to here. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I mean, it, yeah, it just kills me. The, uh, I found that out the hard way when I was in uh, high school, just a personal story, not to bore anybody to death, but the, uh, I got really good grades in high school and, and I didn't really have to study that hard. And then I got to college and I realized that, uh, yeah, um, the school that I was going to made it real easy for kids who didn't give anybody a lot of trouble to get through. <laughs> and, and I really, I struggled. I mean, it was horrible. The, uh, but you know, Hung in there and uh, caught up. Uh, you know, was able to graduate at some point in time. But man, when I looked at uh, you know what could possibly happen, I you know I graduated with almost six hundred student classmates, and uh, it's just our whole school had close to three thousand students in it. That's a lot of people in one little building. <laughs> wow! And uh, you just you don't get enough attention. But and, and I get it, and I, I think it should probably. I don't know if it's filtering through here or not yet, because I don't know a whole lot about 
the educational system, even though my uh, youngest daughter is a, a school teacher, but uh, which uh, once I found out what their pensions were, I think I was like 30 years old. I tried to convince all my kids to be school teachers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and, it's uh, real good, uh, it's real good setup they have. But you know, that's fine. I'm all for paying them a lot and, and the pension, and everything. We just got to get the outcomes. We've we've declined as, a, as yes. a, in the world, you know, in our in our outcomes and some of that. It's some. Of, it's not the teachers. Some of it. A lot of it's the parents. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely it's uh it's it's just a tough situation. I'm just amazed how a country like China manages. I mean, 1.3 billion people, and they have 30 percent less livable land than we have here in the United States. How do you? It, it, I, I saw a statistic that I don't know if it was true or not, but it said there were nearly 300 million people who couldn't read or write. So. Those st- people still have to be taken care of. They have to eat. They got to wear clothing. Live live someplace, and with very little ability to contribute to society in general, other than just manual labor. Um, that's that's a problem, and people yeah. don't uh, think a whole lot about that either. But yeah, well, well, we'll I, I'll let it. you go, Bill. I'll let you go. It was a, it's been a great show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for calling. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, appreciate. It. Yep. Bye bye. All right, and uh, we got off on a lot of tangents that time. <laughs> and interesting, you know, I hear a lot about the, uh, I th- and I think about it a lot. Now, my uh, major was economics and when I was in school, way, way, way back, whenever that was. Uh, we did have computers, though. <laughs> they just weren't nearly as small and as powerful as they are today. But uh, there's just, there are so many things that you can't really uh predict or forecast accurately for. So you have to be ready to make adjustments. And that's the one thing that we can do here in this country. Uh, And it doesn't rely on the president. It doesn't rely on Congress, actually. The monetary system's kind of run by the the Federal Reserve System. And I know that kind of upsets a lot of people that the government doesn't take control of it. And thank God they don't have control of it. (laughs) They're supposed to be working together, but you've got people that are incredibly bright and have a lot of experience in the higher level positions. And that's always given me a lot of confidence in the economy. Don't mess with the banking system. And when they start, you know, bailing people out saying they shouldn't have made those loans. Yeah, you're right. They shouldn't have made those loans. They were probably bad. It's a bad idea. Uh, don't do it again, but you need to fix those problems. And I don't, I don't really disagree with printing the money because the alternative is how the depression got started. They were being very heavy-handed. They, the FDIC had no p- real power back then. The Treasury had not a lot of power. And we've had all the experience since then that we've gained over every boom and bust that's ever happened. And um, you're not going to be able to get rid of that because it's part that, you know, un- until there are no more humans, um, because we're all human. And people have a tendency to keep doing something until they figure out that they shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> and then, uh, but the, the great thing is you have the ability to, to see what you're doing and make the adjustments. It's kind of like, I always likened it to flying a jet plane across the country. You know, if some unexpected storm pops up and you're headed for it, well, you're probably going to have to go around it or uh, buckle up real hard and try to blow right through it. But going to have to make adjustments in uh you know why why should our financial lives be any different than any other portion of our lives you're going to have things that happen and you need to make adjustments trying to be prepared for them is is a key when I mean, it's a key now i tell my clients listen imagine you, the stock market's down 50 percent if the s&p 500 is down 50 percent there's a really good chance that you're going to be down 50 percent on your stock investment the correlation coefficient, which I know is a bunch of big three-syllable, more than several-syllable words, it just means when this moves, this moves too. Okay, so the correlation between large, medium, small companies, international emerging market, pretty high. Actually, it's higher than it's ever been. In other words, when one's moving in a certain direction, the others have a tendency to move in the same direction. So if you're down 50% in the S&P 500, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be down in every other category too. And it's going to be close to that. Some will be down more, some will be down slightly less. But in the end, they have a tendency to move relatively closely, especially these days. uh, So the bottom line is, if you're invested, 
market's down 50%, your stocks are probably down 50% or so. Okay. So if that's too much for you to withstand, if you can't do that without panicking, then you need to cut that back. Maybe you have 50% of your money in stocks, and if that gets cut in half, now you're only down 25%. So let's say you had, uh, uh, let's just make the math easy for me, because I don't have a calculator handy. Say it's $100,000 and you had it invested in a balanced account that was 50% stock and 50% short-term bond, whatever they were, just high-quality short-term bond or CDs. So if the stock market gets cut in half, your $100,000, instead of being $50,000, it's $75,000. So that doesn't make anybody feel real good, but it's a whole heck of a lot better than being down 50. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Psychologically, you're going to feel a whole lot better. Uh, so let's take that up a, a notch. Imagine you have a million bucks all in stocks. It's cut in half. Now you're down to 500000 If you had had half the money in short-term, high-quality bonds, uh, there's a pretty good chance you'd only be down 75000 or so. Probably seventy because actually bonds fell. Even short-term bonds, that was a, that's how you know it was a real panic in 2008, 2009, because short-term, high-quality bonds actually dropped about 12% or so. So... You would have been down a little over 25%, but that's, for most people, livable, especially when you've got current interest rates where they are because you can still take out a lot of income from that without uh, taking out so much income that you don't ever make it back. And that's that's a big problem. I only have a few seconds left, so I will pick up on this topic next week. Or you can call me if you want to talk about it on a one-on-one basis. Uh, my number is 330-664-0700. You can go to bullingtoncapital.com and reach out to us there. Uh, we'll help you try to de- build a plan that is based on your risk tolerance and how much volatility you would like to, to put up with, uh, understanding that you know the, the more volatility that you're willing to accept, the higher the long-term returns are probably going to be. That's the, uh, so having said that, yeah, I'm going to... Let everybody go here. Again, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck. caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.